Nick, you know what I like? What? Fresh coffee. Gabe, that's literally everyone. Everyone likes fresh coffee. Yeah, 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 but I know that. But actually, how many people get fresh coffee? I mean, most of it's roasted weeks before you take a sip. With Fruit of the Bean coffee roasters, that's not an issue. The coffee is roasted once you place the order, guaranteeing that you get the freshest coffee possible. So unless you live on a coffee farm, this is the best way to enjoy your next cup of coffee, or pot of coffee if you share our coffee drinking habits. Oh yeah, and another thing. Fruit of the Bean donates 10% of their net proceeds to help orphans and those affected by human trafficking, and you can even see how much they've donated on their website. Check out their site today for an extra 20% off as a special discount during these crazy times. Their website is fruitofthebean.com. Hey everyone, welcome back to Carbo Box Eats. Gabe's here. Nick's here. And we just had the awesome opportunity to interview Rebecca Edelman. She's a sports agent and CEO of Empower Sports Group. We had a lot of fun talking with her. She's got a lot of fun stories, and she talks about what it takes to become a sports agent. Yeah, and I mean, Empower, it's kind of a clever name. I was thinking about it earlier. It's just Empower, but if you say it, it's like sounds like you're empowering your sports agency. Empower, what's up? Empower the sports agency. I don't know. No, but it was an awesome interview. We had we had such a great time interviewing her, and we, we learned so much. I think, actually, we're going to try and be sports agents now but maybe we'll stick to podcasting. Anyway, in the meantime, listen to this episode. It's a good one. Hey, Nick, play that saxophone. Have you ever heard of an armchair quarterback? It means someone has an opinion, but doesn't necessarily participate in the sport. But it also means that they care enough about the sport to discuss it and try to make it better. In our basketball world, we call this cardboard box seats. We see the game from afar like true fans, but we always show up with the same intensity as if we were at the games ourselves. We don't have the money or the connections like the other talking heads on TV, but we do have some ideas which might seem too out there, and honestly, we've got opinions which might change. Either way, we have fun, so come and watch the game with us from our cardboard box seats. Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of Cardboard Box Seats. Nick's here. Gabe's here, and we have a very special guest today. Rebecca, how are you doing? I am doing great. It is so nice to be joining you from Memphis, Tennessee, and uh, thanks for having me on, on the podcast. Of course. Well, we're, we're so glad to have you here. So go ahead and tell us and our listeners what you do as a certified professional sports agent. So I am a certified NBA agent and a certified WNBA agent, and a certified FIBA, which is a federal basketball association uh, agent. And those are actually three different agencies. So I'm really excited about that. And what I do as a certified professional agent is primarily, you know, I'm involved in contract negotiations for players. Uh, And then endorsement, personal story development, community outreach and legacy building, pre-draft planning, rookie transition assistance, condition training, counseling for nutrition, mental wellness, uh, legal support, of course, um, media relations, social media strategies. And and there are, you know, several other uh, several other uh, services that we offer as uh, certified sports agents. So you said there's kind of a difference between the NBA, WNBA, and FIBA. Can you kind of go into a little bit about that and what the difference is from, from we can say, from a basketball standpoint and from the sports agent standpoint? Yeah, and, you know, each of those uh, organizations, those player associations and the basketball associations, are governed by different contractual relationships, right, with their players. Uh, they have the collective bargaining agreements the WNBA does and the NBA have collective bargaining agreements and different collecting and bargaining agreements, right? Different rights and obligations of parties. And then FIBA has its own set of operations that are much different than what we see in terms of contract relationships in the NBA or the WNBA. And so certification for um, both the NBA and the WNBA require, you know, city, you know, understanding and learning the collective bargaining agreement, learning, you know, 
how the how, how the collective bargaining agreement works on different levels same thing with FIBA and how their contracts work and then you know testing and um, you know making sure that you have the proper level of knowledge in order to be a, a professional sports agent so a little bit of different nuances in the uh, bargaining agreements of course differences in league seasons and free agencies and so much different along the along the board particularly the overseas I'm sure it's taken a lot of work to get where you are today, and I know you'll agree with me when I say that. And this is something we love to ask our uh, all of our guests, but give us a scenic route of your career thus far and kind of tell us how you got to be where you are today. This is just a, it's just an awesome question, uh, and I like it framed as a scenic route because it's truly been that way. And I, I, I if I had to describe it, uh, I love being outdoors. So if I had to describe it as a scenic route, it would clearly be the Appalachian Trail for entrepreneurs. That's kind of how my life has unfolded professionally. Long stretches with a lot of good weather, some long hills to climb, lots of friends, colleagues uh, along the way, uh, a high level of satisfaction. Um, and, you know, I, I'm a lawyer by trade. I've been a lawyer for 30 years by trade. Uh, I started out in a small town in Michigan um, as an entrepreneur. I started my first entrepreneurial business when I was uh, four years old. Uh, I started a shoeshine business and I started a rock painting business, both which were very successful and allowed me to open up a passbook savings account. You gentlemen are way too young to understand that but there was such things a passbook savings account it was amazing and uh yeah i had these small businesses i opened up a little sandwich shop i always had the entrepreneurial spirit so you know my law firm history kind of went from finishing up in high school in my small town in michigan i then went to the university of michigan i'm a diehard third generation michigan wolverine where I got an undergraduate degree in uh, economics and French, which interestingly enough has been uh, an extreme advantage uh, for me in the sports business because you've got a lot over, you know, basketball's a global, um, sports is global now, particularly basketball. So, and then from there I went on and I got a master's degree in economics overseas in France and then um, came back and got my law degree. So a lot of my Appalachian Trail was education uh, that stretch of it. And then I uh, moved to Memphis, Tennessee. I had not been south of the Mason-Dixon line, and I moved down to Memphis um, and had some friends who were working. Um, and I fell in love with it. I fell in love with the culture. I fell in love with the people. Uh, I knew that I could um, make a difference in the community as a lawyer and a communitarian here. So I opened up a law practice. Um, I've had my own firm here for 20 years. I was with another firm uh, with just ex- extremely uh, talented mentorship for about 10, year, 10 years and I started my own firm. So I've had my own firm for 20 years now. And, uh, and during the course of, you know, I've always loved basketball. My son, I've got a, a high school senior who's a basketball player and has been since he was old enough to walk. And uh, I was a basketball player. My brother's a basketball player. And so, you know, later on in my legal career, I was able to, uh, create relationships with some great players here in Memphis with the Memphis Grizzlies. Started doing some work with them uh, on their business. I was not yet a certified agent, so I started working with them on their businesses, business investments, evaluating businesses, uh, making decisions about you know off the court uh, and you know decisions for post uh, career. And that was a really exciting thing for me, you know, learning about. Uh, from the standpoint of professional basketball, I knew a lot about amateur basketball, having a son who went through all the programs from rec league to, you know, high level AAU. And um, so that became a really, uh, I really became very passionate about helping, helping players. And so from there, I decided that I wanted to expand my, there were not a lot of women in the uh, industry, are not a lot of women in the particularly the um, in, in basketball. The NFL has seen a, a growth in women agents, and we're so happy for that. But basketball still is, um, you know, lacking in women agents. So I decided to expand my, uh, my specialty for my clients and hope to start developing 
more in these relationships with basketball players and their parents and their families and uh, decided I would start the agency and um, take the exams and certify myself and become educated. And that's kind of where I am. Uh, so that's how I, I have arrived at Empower. I also, of course, have my full-time law firm as well as Empower Sports Management. That's been, the, that's been my trail, my entrepreneurial trail. So you've actually had a lot of other occupations and jobs uh, that wasn't related to either sports management or having a law office. Um, are there any of those th- are any of those occupations, whether it be opening up the sandwich shop or having your rock painting business? Um, is there anything that you've learned from those other jobs that has helped you later on down the road with sports management as well as your law firm? That's an awesome question. Considering it was like you know I retired from those businesses when I was about six. But I will tell you, and it's a great question, how could there be uh, an intersection of what I learned when I was little, right, when I was young and would start to planting, having, planting the seeds of entrepreneurial, you know, passion. And to be honest with you, it was really just all about hard work. Every undertaking that I've, that I've been involved with, my law practice, parenting, my empower, empower sports management, and other businesses I've been involved in and lots of nonprofit organizations. In the end, it really is about hard work. And so I think I, early on in my life, understood when I was younger that it was going to take hard work. For my dreams to come true and for me to help other people's dreams materialize, I was going to have to just work hard. There, was, there were no shortcuts to that. That was it. And I was going to also have to be self-sufficient. I needed to have a, a sense of real discipline and, uh, you know, a sense of my own path and getting into a lane, being, having the courage to move out of a lane if I wanted to, you know, stretch myself. And I learned all those things actually when I was very young and that, you know, I had to save and plan for my future. And I had all that implanted, you know, coming from a, a middle class family in the Midwest. I, I had all that implanted in my DNA very young. So you kind of compared your career path to the Appalachian Trail. Have you have you hiked the Appalachian Trail? Are you a fan of? of I've been, I have. I've been on portions of the Appalachian Trail. I'm a hiker. I'm a climber. I've been to a lot of really beautiful places all around the globe. Um, but the Appalachian Trail seemed to be seemed to be really apropos, or could have. I mean, that that seems to be a very apropos for what it what it's been for me. That's awesome. So is sports management something you've always had an interest in? You know, it's hard to say. You know, it could be seeds that were planted when we're younger, right? It's sort of like you guys and and your passion for this podcast, your passion for sports, and and kind of like the the behind-the-scenes look and pulling back the curtain on sports. It may not have been something that you, you know, thought about when you were very young, but having encountered each other, and then your similar experiences and therapies, et cetera, you know, it kind of unfolds. So I think somewhere in there, you know, the idea of empowering athletes, empowering families, and, and utilizing the, the, the lessons I ha- I've been so lucky to, to have in my life, like, you know, girl giants, I guess that's always been there, you know, empowering others uh, as opposed to, uh, you know, just advising or counseling or, being there to partner, it's really about empowerment. And so that idea has always been planted in my mind, empowering myself, empowering those around me. Uh, and in the role of a sports manager, you know, really understanding that the mission and vision of a player representative is, you know, to help and guide players to empower themselves to learn how to uh, advance in a modern day global, as a modern day global athlete. And their families, you know, we're dealing with athletes that are 17, 18, 19 years old, you know, that are my son's age, who are going to be launched into a professional environment with the skill sets that need to be, you know, really be cultivated. So we want to make sure that uh, we identify families uh, and uh, influencers that want to support their communities as well as, right, create a long-term sports career. So you kind of touched on it earlier saying like you had to take some exams and stuff, but what, what all kind of goes into becoming a certified sports agent? Well, you know, okay, it goes back to, it just takes a lot of hard work. In my case, there was also a serendipitous event that 
uh, unfolded. So I was at, you know, you actually go to the NBA headquarters, you sign up, you fill out the paperwork, you go to the W, the, the NBPA headquarters, the WNBPA is also there in New York on the Avenue of Americas. It's quite, it's, it's an exceptional experience. They clear off the basketball court where, you know, pros practice. It's a beautiful court. And then they set up tables and, you know, you take a two day course, uh, uh, kind of a primer education course. So, you know, the collective bargaining agreement is, I don't know, I think it's like 500 pages maybe or something like that. You know, it's a, it's a tome. It's a, so the expectation is, is that you know it. Um, but obviously you can't learn 500 pages of documents. It's an open book test, thankfully. As luck would have it, I'm one of those students. It probably came from being an A, Edelman. So I was always at the front of the class, and that's where I've always remained in all my years of studying. I always like to be right at the front of the class. It keeps me undistracted, and it <laughs> keeps my eye contact with the people who are the decision makers. That's the other thing. Like Somehow I'd get lucky, right? And they'd look at me and go, oh, she'll pass. But I'm not sure if that's really the case. But I was sitting next to this guy, and I'm going through all the te- you know, the practice day and the training day, and it's quite overwhelming. You know, Scenarios, you can imagine all the different scenarios salary caps and oh gosh different levels of players and 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 just there's just a lot of information when it comes to the collective bargaining agreement and they just changed the collective bargaining agreement it just been renegotiated so it was brand new right a lot of changes to it so i'm sitting there and i and i look over at this guy and i'm you know again i'm a studious disciplined lawyer so i've got my big you know, binder of 500 some pages. I got little tabs. I had one of my assistants at the office tab everything, beautiful tab, so I could find it quickly. And I look over, and there's a guy sitting next to me, and he's got this tight little notebook, right, that he's looking through. And I said, what, what, can I ask you what, and this is like the night before the exam. I said, can you please tell me what that, what that is? What are you using to study? And he explained to me, he gave me the name of this kind of well, you know, respected, easy study guide that has basically all the the true answers and the two types of scenarios you're going to see in the test. I said, you are kidding me. Where did you find that? And he gave me the name. So I ran back to my hotel. I found it. I emailed it to Kinko's. I printed it out. I crammed all night long using this and then use it as my open book and passed it. And it was just, it was like a, it was just like a, a blessing this guy because otherwise I would have been struggling through you know 500 pages of tabbed records so that was part of it so it was a lot of studying it was a lot of preparation and then it was a lot of waiting you know you had to wait it's like the bar exam you know you wait and you wait you wonder you think back through it all and then that's it then you then you become an agent and then we have you know c- continued education we take we head back up to the same location and we see our colleagues and we become re-educated every year so that's that's kind of what went into it. And, you know, there's a lot of critical thinking and a lot of math and just, you know, thinking through what the rules are. So uh, that's that's kind of how the that's how it all came together for me. So you talked a lot about how what all it took to become a sports agent. But what we find that whenever we interview someone, it's there's always more than meets the eye. So what are some of the things that a sports agent does for the player? Yeah, I mean, there's your customary, what you picture, uh, you know, what you kind of envision or have seen in the media or otherwise, you know, what, what we do for players. We negotiate their contracts. We negotiate endorsement deals. Those are probably the primary things that you see. And, you know, I think, you know, for Empower and for me as a kind of a new enterprise sports management group, you know, it's also about collaborating and partnering with our athletes and with their families to identify not just what their negotiated contract plan is going to be, you know, where you fall in the draft or do you want to go overseas and what do those numbers look like and what kinds of options are available, but to really, you know, create opportunities for them, not just with endorsements and not just with their contracts. But to really be, um, you know, share with them, teach them, understand their skill sets and their passions about how to grow them, not just as players, but as people, right? Women and men who have passions about certain, you know, organizations or passions about business 
what they want to be doing after the basketball stops bouncing, for example. How to build a, build a legacy in their community, that's key, community outreach and legacy building. And, you know, just entrepreneurial and business and executive coaching, financial planning, those kinds of, uh, of services where we really want to include and partner and empower the athlete and their influential circle to, you know, create just not their present professional careers, but their future and pathways that they can start, you know, laying now and paving now that goes that go into the future. Because, you know, the average life of a, of a professional athlete is not very long. The average, we know players that have long and rich histories, and we hope for long and rich 10-year, 12-year, 15-year histories in the game. But a lot of times it's not like that. There's injuries and there's other setbacks, and so there's there's a lot of reasons to start having creating a life plan for yourself early on. So that's really what we do. Those are the kinds of real services, you know, beyond what you're seeing on the outside. You know, an agent negotiating a multi-million dollar. It's it's what's going on with their what's going on with their lives and their families, and both the in the NBA and the WNBA. These players want to have families, right? How do you utilize the collective bargaining agreement to help them, you know, prepare for their future, their future investments, their future health care? Um, there's a lot of, there are a lot of components to, to being a professional athlete, but also to being, you know, uh, uh, just kind of being a person. Yeah, not everyone's going to be like Vince Carter and be 100 and still playing basketball. God, who, who doesn't love Vince Carter, by the way? <laughs> I know. Right, don't we all want to be Vince Carter? We all do. I mean, everyone in the league does. <laughs> I mean, he is, he truly is a superhero. Great, per, just a credible personality, incredible game. He's kept himself just very well mentally and physically. And he just loves, he loves the game. We will miss Vince Carter. Oh, for sure. So Empower is kind of like your baby, something you've built. What is that? Is it just you or is, are there a lot of other people that are part of the organization with you? Yeah, that's a that's a great question. So, you know, I founded Empower. I'm the CEO and president of Empower. And as part of, you know, my partnerships with Empower, people who I collaborate with, who work with me in the business, depending on what their area of expertise is. So I have trainers that are kind of go-to trainers. I'm John Williams with Axon Sports Performance. He's in Alpharetta, Georgia, and he has a full service performance and rehab facility. He's a very innovative trainer, and so he's on my team. So if we needed uh, the he'd be my go-to. We've got NBA trainers, nutritionists. I have uh, one of our collaborators and consultants is Don Hayden. He has a consulting company, and Don is a Gosh, he's a leader on on and off the court. He was 40 years in the sports industry as a uh, you know as a player ref, ran ref ops personnel for years and years, and was a referee in the NBA for gosh, I don't know, 20 years. So Don's one of our consultants. Of course, we have financial and wealth management consultants, personal coaches, education coaches, mindfulness training coaches, and public relations. So you know, there's there's all sorts of there are an array of services that we offer. And, you know, I think the most important relationship I have is with uh, my partner and a gentleman who is a very senior veteran agent in New York, Eric Fleischer. And Eric runs Assist Sports, and Eric and I collaborate on a multitude of projects. So he's really the important key to my level of experience. You know, I bring a lot of things to the table, but he brings 30 years of experience. You know, Kevin Garnett, Chauncey Billups, and some of the biggest contracts in NBA history. His father actually was the founder of the National Basketball Players Association. So Eric is just a terrific guy, and he's been instrumental in my not just my success in relationships with players, but just all-around mentorship and growth for the company. So being up against some some heavy hitters or other sports agents out there, what are some strategies that you and your team have kind of implemented to to kind of help set yourself apart from from other sports agency groups? Yeah, I mean that's a that's a, you know, a, a great question. So, you know, the focus of our sports management mission, vision, philosophy is really about finding families and players that 
want to make the commitment to empower themselves and, you know, really understand the whole ecosystem of professional basketball, right? And I think what you probably see in a lot of instances is young players who are coming out of college, really elite, extremely talented athletes who haven't necessarily had the influencers around them to create a kind of a holistic approach to their career. Their career is focused on contracts. Their career is focused on endorsements. Their career is focused on, you know, that part of how they will be rewarded for all the hard work that they've invested in their careers and others have invested in their careers. And I think what you'll find with our agency, the key is, you know, we're not necessarily the right fit for every player. You know, a player who wants a lot of flash and a lot of all the extras, it really isn't uh, someone who Eric and I are would be a great fit for it. But, you know, for families that are really invested in the long-term, you know, career opportunities on the court, off the court for their for their player and that the player is really interesting interested in a holistic approach to their own career, right? How to build their legacies early on, how to extend their careers, how to really plan financially for their own wealth later on and for their family. And so, you know, that's really what we're about is making sure, and you'll see on Empower's, you know, our kind of tagline is you are the movement. You know, we want the player and his family to be the center of this endeavor as they move into and transition from amateur to professional to professional sports. So I think that's, you know, just a different philosophy. It's a philosophy that's kind of really based on cultivating, you know, those qualities that are common amongst entrepreneurs and common among exceptional athletes, um, you know, that they share. And so I think that that's what we're, that's what we're really about. So and, you know, and, you know, and, you know, you know, also just to add to that, you know, individualized, specialized attention, right? I mean, you want me, you want Eric, you want us to be involved in your negotiations, not someone else, Right. And I think the fact that I'm a woman in the business is also an advantage. Uh, there are not a lot of women who are at this, these tables. Um, you know, we're setting our own table and just having a, a new movement in both the leagues where women are becoming more empowered, both as negotiators, agents, players, you know, see the WNBA, you know, really growing in so many different ways. So. I think that that's another one of our advantages is just having a really diverse team. Absolutely. And that's actually a perfect segue into our next question. We, You actually just said it just then. Uh, this job is, is predominantly male-dominated. How does it feel to help kind of lay the groundwork for Empower and being a, a female in this the sports agency world? And what were some of the challenges that came with this? Yeah, you know, the the feeling is one of, you know, a sense of, I guess, first off, a sense of responsibility, you know, as an entrepreneur, I've been a woman business enterprise for all my life in business. And so, you know, there's a lot of responsibility that comes with that. There are a lot of ways to to be able to represent yourself in whatever industry that you're in, in a way that you are able to command the kind of respect, but also, you know, to have a level of compassion for what's going on in any particular industry. So, and listen, you know, be a good listener, be a good communicator, be a great leader. So there's a sense of responsibility that comes with it. And there's also just a feeling of, of course, awesomeness. Being on cutting edge and breaking ceilings and, you know, those are the kinds of things that allow us to expand our, you know, our limits, see beyond what we think we can do and move from the possible to the impossible. So that's, that's you know, it's fun I'm passionate about it. I always have been. Like I said, you know, I started when I was little and I've always wanted to be kind of a trailblazer. And there's so many trailblazers that have come before me, particular in women's sports. I mean, that's where I was telling you about the project I'm involved in, that Empower's involved in for the Forgotten Champions, the Rutgers team, 1982 Scarlet Knights Rutgers team. I mean, it was, um, and I can share that with you some other time, but if anyone's really interested in watching a good game, we're posting it on YouTube. Our, our collective is posting the game on 
YouTube for a very limited time to watch the whole game, first time ever televised, where, you know, it was back in a time in 1982 and, uh, where, you know, women's sports is a very challenging time for women's sports. And so, um, you know, just kind of being part of a pioneer group, whatever small role I can play is really, you know, it's like really exciting. I've encountered a lot of, uh, you know, some stories are, some stories are cleaning up the talent, some are not, you know, I've encountered some, you know, real adversity, negative adversity, you know, men just really, uh, you know, high level male executives that you think would have better judgment about the role that women play in their organizations, just really negative as opposed to supportive. So I've encountered that a lot, which I also encountered when I was a young woman lawyer moving to the South at the age of 24, you know, walking into a courtroom and everyone wondering where I was, you know, was I at a court reporter? No one even considered that I might actually be a lawyer. I mean, I've been through it all moving to the South, you know, in 1990 and very few women lawyers in the courthouse. So that I think prepared me for moving into another industry where there are very few women. Obviously, I'm wiser I'm older. I won't tell you how much older, but I'm older. So I think I have, you know, the I have what it takes and the the understanding of how to negotiate that in a way that, you know, will advance a will advance a message. So earlier you kind of talked about like setting players up for life. So what are some rules or advice or anything like that that you give to players so maybe that they don't go and spend all their money in Vegas one night or something like that? <laughs> yeah can't help that sometimes (laughs) but what you can do is you can start to when they're young help them build a brand and understand their own personal philosophies and the things that really move them and you know really because we we know them and we know their families we know the qualities uh, you know and the the things that are most important to them and, you know, to make sure they're incorporating those in a personal mission and that they have support around them for that mental wellness support, faith-based support, friendships, right? So they know who to keep around them. And then they also know who not to keep around them so that they learn those qualities of discerning, right? Who are my friends and who are not necessarily my friends. So, you know, those are, those are some of the skill sets we work on because, you know, when these young athletes are growing up it's it's typically you know they're told where to go they're told where to be they're told what to wear they're told how many times to practice what team to be on right what to eat so some of those life skill sets of discerning and judgment and you know learning self-care they kind of missed out on those because they had a you know a group of people around them kind of making those decisions for them so teaching them how to make their own decisions is a uh, and and in the and and what kinds of factors go into making good decisions so that'd be that'd be kind of the more global question and then there you know rules and advice here's the deal when i started my career as a lawyer right whatever 30 years ago i had like a i think i had one of the first maybe i had one of the first laptops i mean this thing was ginormous i know i did have one of those phones you carry that looks like a army field phone right (laughs) i mean you guys are laughing you probably can't even envision this but you know I'm back in eight-track tapes and ginormous phones that look like I'm on an army base. And, you know, I had the first, one of the first computers, and I had, you know, this sound will, will, it's like AOL, right? It took like 20 minutes to say, you know, you have mail. This, This is what I grew up in. And so now, you know, the only reference to social media back then might have been like articles in the hometown newspaper or the TV station did something, right? So advancements in technology have brought about like a whole new world of possibilities. And so news information is totally available. You know, there's there's never been, we've never been so socially connected. So there's a lot of benefits from that. And our, you know, players, professionals can see all the benefits from that. You know, they can develop careers in music. They can they can reach out in any one direction, in any multiple directions globally, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, blogging, all that kind of stuff. However, as you know, problems develop. So, you, you know, we were talking about what kind of rules or advice, you know. Really, social media policies are probably one of the key things to work on with, with our players, social media policies. 
And, you know, I can go into some of the details of social media policies I've actually developed that I, you know, we have a social media policy at Empower. And it has a lot of, you know, a lot of factors to, you know, avoid sharing private information, consider your career, watch out for phishing, understand your rights, protect your photos. But here's how it is summed up, gentlemen. If you think you shouldn't post it, don't. And if you think you should call me, do. That's it. That's that's kind of the easiest set of rules. Anytime. (laughs) And and it kind of applies. If you think you shouldn't do it, don't do it. And if you think you something that you should call me about, call me. That's it. That's that great life thing. advice. That'd be That's the great advice. Po- it's just, just, you know, the policy is like three pages about when to get in touch with me and what to do and what not to do with that. That's pretty much the best advice. That, there you got it. Perfect. Well, it's definitely advice to live by. And now that we have your number, we may just call you once we get to the there social you go. media. <laughs> okay. okay. You Rebecca, you what do we do? <laughs> you should. <laughs> <laughs> so looking back on kind of starting in power and where it is today, what are some things that your agency offers that you never thought you would offer? Yeah, you know, mental wellness is really important. I think that the leagues have taken many, many years to arrive at a place where the mental wellness of players has taken a front, whether it be depression, whether it be, you know, substance abuse, domestic situations, you know, the mental wellness of players and their families, you know, making sure that that's part of an overall approach to advising clients is, a, I think, very key. I don't think 10 years ago even anyone would have spent much time working on mindfulness or you never would have seen LeBron James like having his own Calm app. I mean, seriously, yeah. <laughs> it's pretty amazing. You know, you like go to Calm and I'm like, oh, maybe I'll re- listen to this Matthew McConaughey night story. And the next thing you know, like LeBron James is on it. And I think we're seeing these courageous players come forward with, you know, stories about their own depression and their own issues dealing with, you know, being professionals. So I think that that's, that's probably one, one, you know, set of services we didn't probably wouldn't ha- have envisioned. And, you know, just business advice, really sound business advice, making sure, you know, a lot of these players just have a, a lot of income and are approached on a frequent basis by businesses seeking investments and really kind of having them not just come to us for advice and say, is it good? Is it not good? It's, it's to get them involved in how to really make those decisions so they can make those decisions to start, you know, discerning how to make good judgment themselves. So that's another skill set, you know, really teaching, teaching kind of, um, you know, business entrepreneurial skill, skills. Um, so I think that those would be a couple of, uh, m- you know, most important services we may not have envisioned, you know, five or 10 years ago. Yeah, the stuff with the mental mental awareness is definitely something big, and and it's, we've talked about this a lot over these last episodes we've done. It's it's just nice that the league is listening to the players, it's listening to the coaches and stuff like that. That when the players say they they've been struggling with mental illness, that the league will step up and now have staff on each individual team staff to talk to the players or if they need to sit out a game because of it they can so it's, it's definitely been yeah, nice and, to see and and that the and that the conversation now can be public so stigma attached to mental illness or mental wellness you know we can talk about it as opposed to it being you know something shrouded in shame and so i think that that's certainly overall helps gosh you can imagine helps a team for sure yeah so what would you say some of your highlights have been through your career thus far as a, as a sports agent? Well, you know, my career is very young right. as an actual sports agent. So we're in our third year of actual, you know, management. Um, and, you know, I think over the course of the year of representing players, you know, some of the highlights have been, you know, one of the players I represent, he you know, has launched off into the music industry and is doing very, very successful and, you know, is coming back to his hometown community to really make a difference. That's watching that happen, watch the evolution of a player as we, you know, go through his business investments and decision making around that and him making really good choices about what he wants to do with his future for him and his family. So that's really exciting. Other highlights are just, you know, and, you know, some of the fun stuff you can imagine, you know, going to going to games and seeing your guys out there winning, <laughs> playing really good basketball and just 
also just developing relationships that's been a highlight you know i'll give you an example so yesterday in my social distancing i go out by myself because i have to get physical fitness so i go and i just do all sorts of stuff but yesterday i we had my weight vest on i said i was going to go run a bunch of stairs you know down on the river by myself so i went down there and i was running the stairs running the stairs running the stairs and there all of a sudden not an hour comes a guy coming down the stairs so what's our first instinct i don't know what's your first instinct dude you better socially distance yourself from me like these are my stairs <laughs> for some reason that was my that was my first immediate and then you know tapping into a little bit of compassion i'm like ah there's plenty of room on the steps he's just doing what i'm doing he needs to get out and he needs to exercise and he is fit as can be right so he's running these stairs i'm kind of you know my age i'm walking I'm a little fast but i'm still you know getting up and down and getting some good exercise and he's running up and down running up and down and i see on his t-shirt that he has nba academy on it he can't get those t-shirts everywhere so um you know i t- i'm a very i'm always interested in sports and i knew he was a player or a coach or he was something but i didn't recognize him so at one point in time he was kind of walking down i said oh do you play and we start to engage in this conversation. As it turns out, he's somebody associated with my Grizzlies here in Memphis. And he's from, you know, from a, a, a foreign nation, speaks French. I speak fluent French. And we wound up, obviously, eight feet, ten feet apart. <laughs> but we wound up, you know, having an awesome conversation about basketball, about the league, about what's happening, about how we're staying well, you know, about his experience and where he came from. It was just fantastic. And, you know, basketball has opened up a world like that. You meet people you wouldn't think you would meet uh, the most un- unexpected encounters in the basketball world. So that's been, you know, that's been fun. It's all about people in the end, isn't it? So that's been that's been a lot of fun for me, meeting my guy that, I, you know, meeting my partner, Eric, and just all the experiences we've had, meeting parents, spending time listening to them, watching kids develop, you know, and seeing where I can be of the greatest service. I mean, that that's the ticket. So it's really, really satisfying to me. But those are those are some of the highlights. Oh, and you know, you got to admit, it's kind of a highlight where you're in a room and like, you know, your seven footer walks in and it's like, you know, you're with like lawyers or something and you're seven footer. <laughs> They're like, hey, Rebecca. And there's all these <laughs> men in the room going, what? <laughs> Who's that? Or I'm in a, you know, I'm in a room with all men because, you know, my legal profession is primarily male, too. And so I'll be in a room and like I'll start talking and someone will bring up the fact that either I'm an agent or somehow it comes into it. And the whole dynamic of the room changes that I can talk about sports. I feel like Doris Burke, you know, <laughs> all, of a sudden, all of a sudden I turn into Doris Burke. I went into the woman who like everyone's looking at to bring him like iced tea to Doris Burke. So it's been a lot of fun, you know, it's been a lot of fun that way. And I feel very grateful that I'm able to, you know, able to hustle around in all these different ways. Yeah. And that, those were awesome stories. Thank you so much for sharing. This next question is something that we typically ask a lot of our guests um, and it's for our audience, really. Is there any advice that you have for anyone looking to become a sports agent? I know that you talked about having the foundation of friendship and kind of nurturing that over and over and over just to make sure building a relationship before having like an actual business partnership. Is there anything else that you like to recommend? You know, what I would recommend is that you begin by learning about the business and speaking to people who have been in the business that you trust or getting an audience in front of people that are very well respected so you can get a real full understanding of of the commitment it has you have to make you know it's like running two jobs and you need to have a real strong full-time job and then hopefully that full-time job, like I'm lucky enough that being a lawyer, right, is a value added as an agent because most agents are not lawyers. You don't have to be a lawyer to be an NBA agent. And so having that value added for me allowed an intersection between my legal practice, my negotiation skills, representing players on the business side, and then also then expanding out into agency and you know, that, that part of the professional world. So I really would get educated. That's what I would do. I would take time to get educated and, and see if, you know, and see if it's going to be something that for the long term you can withstand. 
because it's a long, the barriers to entry are extremely high. There are very few, you know, three or four big companies that really have the majority of the players. And then to find a niche, if you decide to go, you know, find a niche, we're finding a niche, you know. So, yeah, so that would be my advice. You know, just find people you trust to talk to about, uh, learn about the industry. So you said you went to school in Michigan, but now you're in uh, Memphis. So would you say you're more of a Grizzlies fan than a Pistons fan? <laughs> oh, really? You have to ask me that? <laughs> Man, sorry. Brutal. You don't. You don't oh, have to answer. Brutal. We can take. We can take it out. <laughs> no, no. You can answer a question. So my heart is always in Michigan, in the Motor City. I'm a Pistons fan. I'm a Tigers fan. I'm a Lions fan. That's like where you know. It's kind of where your heart is. That's where my that's where my roots are. Those are my root teams. Michigan Wolverine. Those are my root teams. Memphis are my kind of Memphis is now my family team. How about that for an answer? There you go. Wow. Memphis is Memphis is my family. I was born into the Pistons, but I, you know, adopted and was adopted by the Grizzlies. That's a that's a actually a pretty sharp answer. I'm proud of myself. That was that, good. That is a good question. You you're really showing off your lawyer skills by like Thank you. The, that the was negotiation high top right there. <laughs> exactly. So this next question is actually from one of our listeners. What's the best way to approach a client? And we're actually going to rephrase it just a little bit. So how do you sell yourself to a player in hopes to becoming their agent? Yeah, so, you know, before you ever really get to to that point, right, it's about a long-term relationship with a family and a player. Um, and so hopefully by the time you've come to that point to say, look, now while you're making those critical decisions about who you really want to select for your long-term partner, right? That you have already a trust relationship with them. They trust you. They trust your experience. They like what you have to offer. So in order to really, you know, kind of, I guess, finalize that relationship to the point of signing an agency contract and really, quote-unquote, getting the client, I think it really is a, it's a matter of all the groundwork that you lay and then just making sure you have to ask. You know, there comes a point in time in a relationship, any business relationship where you just have to say, what's your timeline and where are we at the table and how do we get ourselves in a position? What is it you need from us? So it's, you know, it's, um, it's about relationship and, you know, you think that it's a sale, you know, you're selling yourself, but you're really, you know, for us, for example, you're really not. What you're doing is, is that you're creating a value to a family and a player that you know you want a long-term relationship with it's more like it's more like how do you get the girlfriend to marry you versus how do you you know how do you land the sales deal and i think it's more about that it's about long-term relationships and qualities between people and that's why you know there's just uh it takes it takes a long time i mean unless of course you're somebody like lebron james or Jay-Z, right? Or you literally just walk into their house and you go, we'd like you to be, and they go, oh my gosh, okay. They don't really need any sales pitch, right? <laughs> but those of us who are out there who really want to differentiate themselves, um, it really is about being that trusted partner, somebody that becomes part of their family, because that's what you want. So the last question we have, do you ever do you ever get starstruck around any of your players or, or any... Any celebrities that might come to the arena or anything like that? Of course. Um, not starstruck, you know, crazy. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, you see these people who have risen. I remember Lil Wayne wanted my tickets one day. I had floor seats <laughs> for years and years at the Grizzlies. And the Grizzlies called me up and they said, Lil Wayne wants your seats. Oh, man. Did you give them to him? Right? Of course. <laughs> no, I sold them to him. <laughs> above all else gentlemen there you go <laughs> that's true there you go but i did want to make sure that i had a chance to meet little Wayne. and you know memphis is chock full of superstars guys who have just risen to women and men who have risen to very high levels in music and in sports and yeah you know and then after a while what you realize i mean that starstruck feeling is you know is that that feeling of just kind of being in the presence of of somebody who's great you know 
who's done whatever it is they need to do and, and made that utter commitment to just be great. So I think that's why I'm starstruck is I appreciate greatness. You know, I appreciate all the hard work it takes to get to a point of actually being a celebrity or a superstar. Of course, not all of them got there that way, but really most of them, um, particularly these players you see, these guys are, these guys are the best of the best, right? But then after a while, what you realize is that, you know, we're all the same. If there's ever a time that we've realized that we're really all the same and that all we have is each other is right now. And so I think after a while, that's what really settles in is the uh, universal truth of that is that we're all in this together and really all we have is each other and celebrities are celebrities. But in the end, you know, they just have hearts and feelings and want to be safe and well and healthy and have their families to thrive. And, you know, we're all the same on some level. But yeah, it would be the answer. You know, <laughs> you see a great player. You know, I remember I had one story where Vince Carter, when he was playing with the Grizzlies, I was, like I said, I had these wonderful front row seats because my son, it was a mother-son experience I gave him for 10 years of our life together, you know, literally front row seats right there. All the players got to know him. And, you know, every time they would come back to the arena, they'd know where he was sitting. He'd have the shoe, he'd have the, you know, the card. They'd sign the cards, I'd get the pictures. I've got memorabilia that could fill a room. And so, you know, I met all the great players in the, in the, ever in the league over 12 years. And, uh, but I remember once Vince was going for a, you know, a crazy loose ball and he literally leaned over. It was like a, it was like a scene from the Matrix where he, he stopped just short of being literally over the top of me, froze, never hit me. I was leaning on it and he just kind of froze and he looked over and he went, Matrix. It was just plastic. <laughs> Highlight awesome. for me. That I guess you either, but it was a highlight <laughs> for me. You know, just, you know, having LeBron Bron James, you know, throwing a ball where he's like literally one foot from you. <laughs> that's awesome. You realize how ginormous these guys are, how they're larger than life people because that's what they've, you know, that's what they've built themselves on. So it's, um, it's a lot of fun. Well, Rebecca, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. We've really enjoyed all your stories and all that you've had to say about being a sports agent. Well, it has been super fun. I love to talk about it. Uh, of course, I'm always there for a resource if anyone wants to reach out. And, uh, you know, it's just uh, it's just um, another part of the great Appalachian Trail adventure. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Well, it was a pleasure having you. Thanks so much. Yeah, you're welcome. Thanks for having me.